Good Erev Shabbos, Parshas Pinchas. So, uh, very, very interesting discussions about Pinchas and his right to uh, kill Zimri um, and Cosby. Uh, the Gemara actually says that if Zimri would have turned around and killed Pinchas, that would have been justified because Pinchas was uh, Rodef. Pinchas was sort of chasing after him. He would have had every right to stop him. Um, so it's very, very interesting, uh, hard to understand exactly the status of what Pinchas did. Uh, we call this extrajudicial, sort of outside of the regular based in or justice. Um, so a few questions the Bar Yosef brings up. <clears throat> Number one is why can't <clears throat> anyone kill this person? Why is it that only a Kanoi uh, could kill such a person. Um, also, we find that uh, Chazal tell us that the other Shvatim were sort of laughing at Pinchas and they said, yeah, who's this guy, Ben Puti? They said his grandfather was, was fattening cows for Avodah Um So, uh, you know, so so he's, they're just sort of making fun of him. Was Were they just Stop making fun of him? Does that have anything to do with, uh, you know, the action that he did? Seemingly, even somebody who has a bad past, if they're doing the right halacha, then that would seem appropriate. So, really hard to understand uh, exactly what's going on. So, um, right, meaning, why would pointing out his yichus make him wrong for doing what he did? Um, and... What did Hashem say back? Hashem pointed out, yeah, but he also has good yichus. And that's what Rashi says, is why it, it gives his good yichus at the beginning of the parsha. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron So, okay, but if he has bad yichus and, and that says something about him, what does his good yichus even do at all? So, um, what, what the Bar Yossi points out, he says, is that it's very interesting halacha. That on the one hand, it seems uh, more strict. On the other hand, it seems more lenient. Okay, so uh, the kal aspect is that you're not chayiv and based in, okay? But the chamer part of this is that there's no warning necessary. So if somebody uh, sees a zak, they don't have to say almost, that, you know, every other avera, you have to tell a person you're doing the wrong thing, you have to stop. When it comes to this, uh, it sounds like you don't have to do that. Um, so the Rebbe Yosef points out that this halacha uh, only applies in public, b'farhesya. And that's why Pinchas was allowed to do what he was allowed to do. In general, somebody does an Avera with a non-Jewish woman uh, in privacy. So Chazal talk about, they gave him makos, they did some stuff, but it, it wasn't like this. this. It was the public nature uh, of what was going on. Okay? And so what the very Yosef explains is that he said, it seems that this is a zilzal, it's a desecration of the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation is built on separating ourselves, right? The first uh, mitzvah of Avram was, was Mila, separation. We're built on, on saying we're separate, we're different, we're, we're, we're Kodesh. And for a person to do this in public, they're basically uh, delegitimizing that idea that we are completely separate. So <clears throat> he says... Uh, this is not a, a sin that is punishable by death. However, he, he says that if there would be somebody 
uh, he doesn't say these words. It's almost as if he's saying that somebody could be considered an, an ones almost. And not only an ones, we're, we're proud of him. We're proud of Pinchas for what he did. But it's almost if a person sort of builds up in himself such a, such a, uh, s- such a disappointment mm-hmm. in somebody making the Jewish nation look like this, and a person really becomes emotional about it and cares so much about Klal Yisrael and cares so much about the Savera, that person, for that person, he's justified. Not only is he justified, like we said, as a mitzvah, but it's almost like because we can't, we can't tell him not to. We can't control him. It's not. It's 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 just sort of the uh, the natural outgrowth of of what this person sees. So he says <clears throat> that's true only if somebody has the best of intentions. And the shvatim, their accusation to Pinchas was that wait a minute, your your ancestors did this, okay? So it's hard to imagine. They said that you think this is so bad, it's so bad that you, were, that, that you couldn't stand it, that you had to kill him, it's hard to imagine. Uh, I was thinking maybe something else, even if they say, okay, we understand that you think it's really bad, but maybe they, maybe they were saying, you know, you were probably doing this as a, as a tikkun. You're embarrassed about what your ancestors did, and therefore you wanted to show that, oh, I don't hold to this. But even that would not be considered the best of intentions. The best of intentions is this Avera is wrong, because this Avera is wrong, and, and I'm punishing him for that. So even if, if he had intentions of, you know, really strong intentions, saying this is terrible, but if it came from a place of, I'm doing this because I, I'm embarrassed that my ancestors did this, so I want to show it's no good, that also wouldn't be okay. And basically, uh, they, they were telling him that it's not Lishma. And if it's not Lishma, it's not allowed to be done. This is, this is extrajudicial, this is not allowed to be done. And Hashem was testifying that no, his yichus comes from elsewhere as well. He, he is completely tahar, pure in his intentions. Um, this is really interesting just for a second I'm talking about is that in general, um, what matters most are, you know, is the action. A person says, I'm not in the mood, I'm not going to have good kavana today. So we don't tell them to stop. When it comes to mitzvah, you have to do it. And of course, kavana matters, but uh, you know, in general, that's that's sort of what comes up. Um, but he, this is um, one example of where you know the kavana really matters. Just a few quick points about this. Actually, Moshe Feinstein in a tshuva, uh, he he actually holds. I don't think we we paskin. This doesn't really come into the psak, but he holds that uh, it's machlokes rishonim. If somebody's doing a mitzvah shalolishma, he says, of course you have to do it. You know, we talk shalolishma balishma, but if it's shalolishma, according to at least one rishon he holds, you wouldn't make a bracha. Uh, so I mean, we pass, and, you know, you always make a bracha. You're doing a mitzvah, but that's how far uh, the kavana matters. Um, also, I saw brought from the Panovich Rav. Panovich Rav brought that uh, this famous gemara. The gemara says that uh, that that Shmuel. Hakatan, they were trying to make up uh, a bracha uh, of Vlam al Shinim. It was the 19th bracha. And they said, who should do it? And all, all eyes fell on Shmuel Hakatan. And so, you know, so he came up with, with the, the text of Vlam al Shinim. And the question is, why could anyone else come up with it? So the Panavich Rav said, if you look in Perkeyavos, you see Shmuel says, uh, like his, his, it's a pasuk, but he was very apparently. Uh, into this pasuk, because it brings in Pergevos that he said, "Ben fall He says, "When your enemies fall, don't be don't be so happy." 
So they said, only somebody like Shmuel, who he he's he's so he he champions the idea of don't be don't be proud, don't be just so happy. He's the kind of person who he can make the bracha saying, I'm not happy to do this. It's not it's not mm-hmm. sort of playing into my bad midos. This this is just what has to happen, and that's why all eyes fell on uh, on uh, Shmuel Akatan. So, uh, yeah, very very interesting. It's always hard to know exactly what intentions anybody has, especially ourselves. But uh, certainly, this this story in the Torah teaches us how important it is to have uh, you know the proper intentions and not fool ourselves uh, when doing a mitzvah. And on that note, the story. Uh, could sort of relate to that. Uh, her story, uh, Rav Chatzkel, Rav Chatzkel Levenstein was uh, was in Eretz Yisrael, and his Rebbe, Rav Isaac Sher, Rav Isaac Sher was one of the big Bali Musser uh, in Eretz Yisrael, and Rav Isaac Sher uh, passed away, and uh, everyone turned to Rav Chatzkel that he was going to speak at the Levaya, and he actually prepared something very beautiful, very special, and he ended up saying, "I'm not going to speak." You know, people pressed him to try to understand why he wouldn't speak. Um, he he explained that recently his grandson had passed away, and he was very broken up about it. And he he realized he was going to be extremely emotional, and he realized that his extreme emotion that in, in delivering a eulogy for Rav, for Rav Isaac Sher, he realized that mixed in there for sure, mixed in there would be. Uh, some of his sad feelings about losing his grandson, and he felt like it, he would be, he, he would be presenting himself in a false way. He felt like people would would say, "Wow, look how much he's shaken up over his Rebbe passing away," which of course he was, but uh, it, it wouldn't be fully honest. And, and he gave up the opportunity to give a hesed for his Rebbe. It's an unbelievable story uh, about Kavana. Okay, so let's run to a Shiloh. This Shiloh comes up. Uh, in the Igris Moshe, and the shadow is as follows. Uh, somebody is, it's Nogair uh, for the three weeks, somebody is uh, building a house, uh, but he's a builder. He's not going to keep the house. He's building it to sell it. So the question is, um, we know that the Gemara says you're supposed to leave an ama by an ama of un, untreated, uh, un, 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 you know, non-built or non-painted, non-finished space. And the question is, do you have to leave that ama uh, if you're if you're just building it to sell it and not live in it? So he brings Ramosha uh, goes through a few things. <clears throat> so he brings a svara that since you might sell it to a guy, um, and then you would not be chayev. So therefore, at the time that you you built it, it wasn't it wasn't clear. So therefore, there was no chayev even if you end up sell, selling it to a Jew. But since it was very much in the cards to sell it to a guy, uh, so you would, you would not have to leave that ama by ama. Um, and <clears throat> so he goes through, there's a, there's a Magen Avram over there. The, the Shulchan Aruch says that if you buy a, uh, the Shulchan Aruch says a chatzar, but if you buy um, a, a property from somebody else, uh, you don't need to go and peel away some of the already finished space. Um, even though it, 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 no one left an ama by an ama, because you're just a buyer. And the Magen Avram says, he says a few things. He says, first of all, you could assume it was built before the Kherban. Okay, maybe it was, this house was built before 
the base of Mikdash was ever destroyed, therefore there was no Chiyav. Um, okay. Um, or, he says, maybe it was built by a guy. Okay. <clears throat> maybe it was built by a guy and then eventually went to a Jew. And even if now the, a Jew is selling it to you, you could assume maybe it was built by a guy in the first place. Um, but the Magen Avram does say that um, if it was built Be'iser, if somebody who was supposed to have left a space built it and did not, so then you, the buyer, would actually be Chayev. Okay? <clears throat> so, that, so that is, uh, that's what the Magen Avram says. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So he, we'll, we'll get back to this Magen Avram in a second. And, you know, the question really becomes, Ramosha says, uh, you know, that, that this first person, uh, because he was building it to sell it, he never really built a baser because of the original svar that you could sell it to a guy. And therefore, uh, it, it would be fine. Okay. So <clears throat> the question is, let's say it's obvious that a Jew will buy it, right? Let's say uh, somebody builds a house in the middle of uh, Tom's River or in the middle of... Uh, <clears throat> You know, and any uh, heavily Jewish, you know, populated area. So he brings he brings what he saw in a sefer, and then he says his own svara. So he says he saw in a sefer that uh, that if it's for if it's you, you know you're trying to make money on something. So meaning even if you know you're for sure selling it to a Jew, but since you're trying to make money, so litzorach parnasa we find that sometimes litzorach parnasa were more mekel. Um, so he says, it could be, you know, the Sefer says that L'Torah Parnasa, uh, you would not have to do it. Um, and so Ramosha doesn't like that. Ramosha says, I don't understand. Uh, you know, L'Torah Parnasa, if, if that's a svara, then maybe L'Torah, your own enjoyment, maybe in your own house, you shouldn't have to build this because uh, you want to, you want your house to look pretty. So who says that, that, you know, to make some more money is more important than to enjoy it more? And he says, who says people wouldn't buy it for the same amount? If you have Jews uh, who are going to buy it anyway, so then it's it's uh, you know for for many Jews they'd say, oh great, it came already with the you know with the space left. So he, he doesn't buy that svara, and Ramosha says a different svara. He says that when it comes to uh, mezuzah, certain other areas, it says beisecha, your house, and. The Gemara Darshan's only your house is Chayav Midaraisa, right? So even somebody uh, who rents, uh, generally we assume it's only Midarabonon that, that, you know, after 30 days or whatever it is that you now have to uh, put up a mezuzah. But really, the Chayav Mezuzah comes from Beisach, for your own house. And so Ramosha says, even if you know a Jew is going to buy it, but since when you're building it, it's not Beisach, you're not building it as your house, you're building it to sell. Therefore, you would not be chayev. And this is what Ramosha, what Ramosha holds. Big, uh, big chiddush and a, a big heter for people who are in the, uh, in, in the uh, builder space. Um, <clears throat> the Sefer, I saw, that um, uh, brings a lot of ha'aras on Ramosha's tshuvas. And <clears throat> so they bring a few questions over here. So number one is, a, a big question on Moshe is that we quoted this Magen Avram. The Magen Avram said that you could assume uh, that maybe a guy built it. You could assume maybe it was already built before the Khurban, which, which uh, they bring from the Bach, others 
who say that if it's clear that it wasn't built before the Chorban, you can't say such a thing, right? So something, uh, you know, something 2,000 years later, you can't assume such a thing. Either way, um, but why didn't, according to Ramosha, why didn't the Mogan Avram say something even simpler? The Mogan Avram could have just said that even if you know a Jew built it, but just assume that the Jew built it to, uh, to sell it. So if, that, if that's a way out, then why didn't the Mogan Avram say that as an option? So that would seem to indicate, um, maybe not like a Ramosha. Um, and he, and uh, the Sefer brings it, actually, Nisim Karelitz is Machmer. Nisim Karelitz said that uh, even a builder who's building it to sell has to leave an ama by an ama. He has to leave it unfinished, which is unbelievable. Um, that's, uh, that's what Nisim Karelitz said. Um, and, <clears throat> um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. And they, Ramosha said it, and uh, for sure there's what to rely on, there's a horror on him, and uh, you know, we should not have to deal with these Shilas anymore, and uh, you know, we should have the base of Mikdash. Have a great Shabbos.